Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David, how's it going? <laughs> uh, it's going well. All right. I thought you had something momentous. <laughs> no, not at all. I just, uh, I like to just throw it to you right away. You know, so it's, I like the show to start off with a bang. Because it is going to end with a whimper. Because um, um, we got nothing to talk about at the top of the show. Well, I... Uh, just got back from, I was up in uh, your old neck of the woods, Ventura, California. That's right. That, How long did you live in Ventura? I lived in Ventura for uh, three years. Oh, okay. So. So I do lived, you remember it at all? How old Yeah, you? I was, I was, uh, those, that was ages seven to ten. Okay. So, yeah. So. Slowly so you probably know where all the good ice cream shops are. <laughs> Absolutely. Because, <laughs> you know, I'd go out for a malt and, oh, man. <laughs> Um, it does seem like that kind of town, at least a downtown area, uh, yeah. it has a very old-fashioned, but a very, like, I don't know, maybe it wasn't like this, obviously, you know, 20 years ago, but, like, uh, almost a sort of forced old-fashioned feel, you uh, know, like, okay. like, forced quaintness. Yeah, you know? I could see that. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm, damn it, I've gotten distracted. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's not, I haven't been, you know... I, it's weird. We keep talking about like my past. Yeah. I I I had not been to Taft in a long time. I haven't been to Ventura in probably about fourteen years. And oddly enough, I remember even less about the layout of Ventura than I than I do Taft. Uh, so I'm interested. So you liked it? You liked the town? Uh, yeah, I had a good time. We went to uh, we went to the Mission. Okay, I've the, been there. Because apparently Ventura is the official name of the town of the city is San, San Buenaventura. Yes. That's like what the trash cans say on the side. <laughs> right. Like uh and it was the same Buenaventura mission that I went to. So but it's it's Ventura on the I mean you don't have to type San Buenaventura in right. MapQuest. I only ever knew it as Ventura until uh now. <laughs> I didn't know that that was the uh that was the name of it. I didn't really uh, do a lot of research into my, the places that I lived. I, invariably, every place I, I moved to... I imagine that you being such a drifter, you didn't want to get too invested. Ex- exactly. <laughs> no connections, you know. Living I, uh, out of a suitcase. Exactly. Why bother to unpack? My dad worked for the oil industry, and they're just going to transfer him again. <laughs> sure enough, they did. So, um, now what were you doing up there, David? Uh, it's a weird story, because my mom lives in St. Louis, but yeah. eventually, essentially I was visiting my mom and my grandma. Okay. Because they were up in Santa Maria for another thing, and so it's always something with them. Yeah, it's always something with moms so. and grandmas. But what did you what did you do? We went with to a winery. Them? You went to a winery, which was a lot of fun. Okay, because uh, I like there are there are wineries outside of St. Louis, you know, and I've been to to one or two of them, and and they were okay. But this one, I well, my mom had the GPS. Oh, okay. So, and I feel like the good thing about that is when we were looking for a winery, we didn't like we weren't going to like asking like the tourist desk or the concierge right, or whatever, right. like and they would have sent us to some like very sort of touristy winery. Okay. You just punch winery into the GPS and we went to the one that was that was closest. Oh, that's cool. And it ended up being uh really cool, really low key. We were uh, when we first got there to do a tasting. You ever done this? I have no, not. Yeah, no. I've asked you this. Um so it was just like the the one guy, you know, and and us and he was telling us about all the wines and it it felt very very personal and yeah. and it was a lot of fun. But I, it got me thinking about the movie Sideways, of, of course. course. Uh cuz I feel like I I have the kind of personality where I could get into something like wine. Yeah. But I also feel like I if I'm going to get into wine, I still want to wait a couple more years so people don't think that I'm getting into it because of Sideways. <laughs> right. You know? Well, that's you know, that was 2000 that's 4 years ago now, David. So I think I think you could be all right. No, but uh, yeah, the, 
Someone needs to make a movie about beer. Like a but like a beer kind of sore movie. <laughs> the, not like yeah, affliction. Not like the Artie Lang movie. Or the, exactly. Beer or the, uh, hang on, that was Beer, beer League. League. Beer Fest is the Broken, Broken Lizard. Broken Lizard, that's movie. right. Um I have seen neither of those films. Nor have I. But uh yeah, there's it's always strange brew though. But still, stra- these are comedies. True. There needs to be like a sideways, like a movie about. It would be the snootiest. Well, I tell you, uh, movie in the world. As you know, I am a fan of uh, of all things Nero Wolf. All right, I uh-huh. read several of the books by Rex Stout, and uh, it's just it's such an amazing character. He's he's big and fat. He never leaves his 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 very luxurious house. He has it's I believe it's a three story house and he has an elevator. Um <laughs> like he has this he dabble like doesn't dabble like he's obsessed with orchids and like for 2 hours a day, twice uh, for 2 hours at a time, twice a day, he will retire to his orchid room and it doesn't matter if the he's a detective. It doesn't matter if the case he is on is literally bringing people into his house, whatever. I might, I'm in my, or, my orchid room. My assistant will deal with them. <laughs> and But what's more is just like, and he knows about like really good food. He has a chef and all that. And it's just, and he drinks beer, which is weird that you wouldn't assume it because he's just a very high class guy. Yeah. And, um, but in the books and then certainly in the TV, uh, the TV series with uh, Maury Chaikin in the freaking role of his career, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, like you see him like pour beer, like he, you know, he's got this awesome suit on in this very big luxurious mansion. And as you know, I don't drink beer, but when I see him like pour the beer very gently and then like just taste it and savor it, I'm like, damn, I wish I drank beer. But somehow <laughs> in my uh, one room apartment, I somehow have a feeling it won't come off <laughs> you so can't, much. Yeah. <laughs> it's not quite like Nero Wolf. Um, you can't even afford glasses. Um, and you, you go out absolutely. way too often. That's, that's true. But uh, but I do like movies, and and it run I run across it every once in a while. Where just like, you know, you watch if you watch like Twin Peaks, for example. I mean, we talked about this uh, in our food episode, but like, yeah. I don't drink. I used to drink coffee uh, quite a bit. I don't anymore, really at all. I've kind of lost the taste for it. But like when I watch like Twin Peaks, I'm like, I want pie and coffee. I <laughs> want both of them. Like it's just there are some, and it's and with Big Lebowski. You want to smoke weed? Well, I was I knew that was coming. Uh, so I figured I would wait for it before I went into the actual answer. Uh I I'm like I need to bowl constantly. I need to always bowl or in the case of like uh you know, I love the hustler so much, I need to get it back into playing pool. But uh but I don't know. I I feel like somebody my age just going into a pool hall, I feel like I would just be viewed as like a poser. It's weird, um, you're talking about, it used to be that it was, for a long time, and it still is cool, you know, like things like pool, it was like cool to be, it was portrayed as cool to be skillful at something, and there's yeah. there's been sort of a turn in our culture where now it's, I mean, that's still cool, but it's cool to be nerdy about something, to be obsessive, hmm. like, you know, yeah. we, you know, we, we talked about the food episode, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, being a foodie is, is very, very in right now, you yeah. know, in the, you know, the sideways movies, and then also, uh, one of my favorite television shows, CSI, is yeah. all about being being nerdy. It's about it's 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 taking the most macho, you know, genre of mm. like solving crimes and making it intensely scientific, <laughs> or as intensely scientific as you can get at eight p.m. on CBS on Thursdays. <laughs> but it's it's about nerds taking yeah. the glory, and they're positioned as like the a lot of times in the episodes, like the cops, the macho cops, are just yeah. like 
like dicks and they just stand in the way and they don't use their ma- their brains at all. And yeah. It, it's it's cool <laughs> now to be a nerd. I mean, this is nothing new. It's, it's been like this for a few years now, but I'm I'm happy about it. Yeah, I well, I mean, we we kind of have to be. <laughs> but that's the thing. I feel like you you and I or me, perhaps even I'd say more me because you at least go out and drink with friends and stuff, you know, <laughs> like I'm just nerd through and through. Like I'm not the popular kind of nerd. Like I remember <laughs> I remember um when Ghost World came out, like uh I forget who who wrote this review, but somebody who was talking about Steve Buscemi in the film and said that he was uh, you know, like a geek or a nerd, and then in parentheses said, "Not the hip kind of nerd, right?" That is so popular these days. An actual nerd who really just, yeah, like is a, socially awkward and all that kind of thing. Yeah, so. that's, yeah. The TV shows they should, you know, you, you you can watch your your Chuck, you know, exactly. Like oh, nerds are so, or the Big Bang Theory. That's another like, yeah. you know, uh, nerds are just so lovable and and you know misunderstood. But like in real life, most people who are really nerdy. Are also big pricks, yeah, be, because they their years of uh, you know being ground down socially, oh yeah, have given them uh, as a, as a defense mechanism. They've developed a superiority complex, and it's like it's like combative. Like if you, there, I mean, I'm, and I'm making a blanket statement, which I shouldn't do, but there are some like, you know, I've gone to Comic Con and you know meet somebody like talk at the table at, the, at one of their booths and just want to talk to them about something, and it becomes. Right away, the person wants to turn it into a battle to see who's more knowledgeable about the yeah. thing, you know? It's – and I think I think there's, like, another thing where um, probably about – I'd say about 10 years ago, like, there was this joke in, like, you know, teen comedies and stuff that's like, oh, the ugly girl is basically a beautiful girl who is wearing glasses and has her hair right. tied back. Uh now, of course, this also denotes that she is smart, as we know from Alone in the Dark with Tara Reid. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I feel like these days, I mean, there's probably there, there's still that I think. But there's also, by the way, I wouldn't mind being Alone in the Dark with Tara Reid. Oh, good God! <laughs> I'm tired. David. I just uh, okay. Um, but like these days, I feel like there's I, I was uh, I subs- I uh, subscribe. Yeah. Sorry, I'm so used to subscribe being a function of like blogs and podcasts that I forget. Uh-huh. Yeah, you couldn't subscribe to a magazine. Yeah, uh, yeah. something physical and tangible yeah, that you can touch. Hand, yeah. Um, but like, uh, but yeah, I subscribe to the New York Observer. Uh, it's a, it's interesting. I have no interest in New York as a place. Really? I have nothing against it. Right. But okay. it's not like it's like I need to know about the happenings in New York. But basically it's just uh I was in danger of losing my uh, frequent flyer miles and I was I had nowhere <laughs> to fly. And so they're like, "Hey, you can subscribe to these magazines." Like, "Okay." So all of a sudden now I have Newsweek, Esquire, Entertainment Weekly, and the New York Observer. And um How many of those do you read regularly? I do you read, read news- Esquire? Uh I'll read probably 3 articles in it. Okay. Um, the rest of it, which is fine because it's like 90% ads for, uh, stuff that I'm not going to be using anytime soon. But, uh, but yeah, some of their articles are very interesting. Yeah. That's how I feel like I could never subscribe to Vanity Fair. Like it seems like I would because they usually, they usually have one or two good stories per issue. Right. But it's like, it's way too much heft to like, I can't even justify buying one. I'll just like stand at the borders and read, (laughs) read the article. Yeah. Esquire has, I'll, I'd say tangent, but this is just a huge tangent anyway but like esquire has this thing where it's just like they they will take like a usually a a woman associated with comedy and it'll be like 10 things you you don't know about women guys and they will take 
women that are very funny, and somehow they've managed like just maybe as a function of just what the assignment they wind up coming up with the broadest possible comments about like maybe if you do this for women they'll love you and it's just like ugh it's uh-huh. like 1985 yeah. you know it's just who are some women that they've done this with? like Mindy Kaling oh yeah, from the she's office funny. and she's funny and we've seen her do stand up and she's a very funny person and her stuff in Esquire it's you know it's it's funnier than some of the other uh women who and oh, I don't remember who but it it's you know a lot of stand ups and stuff but uh, it's still like not what I've you know, she's hysterical, you know, on like the CDR, CD and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, she doesn't quite uh, bring it for Esquire. Anyway, New York Observer had this uh, article very recently about how, like, these days, like, m- in movies and on TV, like, male nerds, like, yeah, really they just put, like, a dorky shirt and maybe a pair of glasses on a guy who's otherwise insanely attractive. Like, right. it's just like, oh, yeah, look at this guy. He's a He's a real nerd. It's like... No, that's uh, Shia LaBeouf, who's really uh, right. been working out, clearly. Well, the, my, my favorite example is on the 4400. Uh, <laughs> I, can't remember, I can't remember the character's name all of a sudden. Oh, I don't remember. Milo? No. Oh! What is his name? Damn, I don't remember. The nerd guy? Yeah, and yeah. He sort of has a flirtatious relationship right. with I can picture him. Scorus. Milo's close, but oh, I don't God, know if that's it. Crazy. But yeah, that's exactly what he... Like, he Clearly, could be in a J. Crew ad, or exactly. he could be wearing this ugly sweater and glasses, and, but still have like no real nerd is that well manicured. I, you know, very few people in real life are as well manicured as any person on right. the forty four hundred. Right. Um, yeah, I remember uh, in watching it, and I'm just I'm attuned to this because I'm an overweight person. That uh, I remember you had lent me forty four hundred, and it's a very good show. I really like it. Uh, but I remember I'm like, wow. It's like there seems to be some kind of weird force keeping people from gaining any kind of weight. Yeah. <laughs> like there's no fat people in that in that show. Like even undesirable people are very trim. Um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I've always – I remember uh, there was a script that I was uh, writing and I was like – and it's kind of a fairly conventional like thriller. And, um, and the main character is – like it's uh, – He's like middle aged. He's like an ex cop. I mean, it's a it's a fairly conventional genre. Uh-huh. But he's middle aged. He's an ex cop. He's very out of shape. Like he's overweight and stuff. Uh-huh. And and he's just he's like violent, but not in like a cool way. He's violent right. and like ah, oh, I don't know if I is this the villain. <laughs> but um, so I had written this and like and in my head I'm like, man, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it's like time to get a good old character actor a leading role. And I'm like, oh wait, no, this will never sell. Right. That's that's the issue. Um, so, like, I always thought it'd be cool if, like, yeah, Chuck starring somebody who's way out of shape, you know, like yeah. me, for example. Although, damn it, now I'm thinking of other things, because there's also been, like, maybe not a controversy, but there has been a discussion about Judd Apatow films. Uh-huh. Oh, and right, how they have... They have kind of... Schlubby guys. Schlubby, that's the only word I ever hear. Um, and how it puts those those people forth as like leading men and stuff like that but yeah. uh but uh, uh you make me think of paul giamatti who is oh, become yeah. a leading man and is not in any way attractive no and and here he is you know headlining a seven hour seven hour seven plus hour miniseries on i know HBO, that's and it makes me which is really good uh i'm a i'm a couple episodes i guess they just f- finished it okay. on sunday and i still haven't watched the last two but 
uh, I'm really taken by it. I, I want to watch it. I'm very excited to, um, cause I was just looking at the cast list in general, like who, who plays all these like, you know, memorable roles. And it's like, Oh, it's a, it, for somebody like myself who loves character actors. Oh, it's just a dream. Yeah. Oh, fucking, uh, uh, Stephen Delane. Yeah. Thomas, Je- Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. It's amazing. It's such a great performance. Now, Tom Wilkinson plays Franklin, right? Tom Wilkinson has, is cornering the market on uh, intensely intelligent lunatics <laughs> with Michael Clayton <laughs> and now John Adams. Okay. Uh, that, that's that, that's what he's – he's the go-to guy. All right. I'll buy that. I will absolutely <laughs> buy that. Um, but uh, all right. Well, we've been – I don't even know how we got to, to where we are, but that's all right. Yeah. It's just the first, you know, the first few minutes. <laughs> Those are always pretty random. Yeah, and, and oh. I, I usually, I, we usually just talk around for a while until I can think of a really cheesy segue, and uh, I got Good nothing Lord. now. So uh, let's get into it, shall we? All right. Oh, shoot. Oh, go ahead. Well, I would just, uh, special thanks to Pilar for being on the show. Oh, yeah. And of course, her website. Uh, her her uh, podcast is on the page. Yeah. You can find it on iTunes. It's very good. That was fun talking to her last week. It sure was. Seven days ago when we talked to her. <laughs> Man, there's all kinds of layers of deception in what you're saying right now. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that was uh, it was a fun show. I was listening to it, and uh, wow, I am, a, I am a chatty Kathy on that episode. I uh, cannot stop talking. Here's the thing. And I want to tell myself I've, to shut up. I told you this off air before, but I like to think that you and I have this, like, this, uh, our, our, our uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Uh, Chemistry? Yeah, well, well, where we bust each other's balls. Like yeah, that kind yeah. of atmosphere. But when I listen back to an episode, I realize that I just bust your balls and you take it. And then I seem like a big dick. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. I really feel like it's it, this is a, 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 a problem of mine, David, is that uh, I just assume that what the person says is right. And I'm just like, oh, well, fair enough. <laughs> He's saying something against me, but the listener is probably on board with him. So uh, I'll just take it. So I have nothing negative to say about you, David. A lot of people have that problem. (laughs) Well done. Um, But yeah, so uh, thanks to Pilar. And then I just discovered, I don't know if it's been on for a while or if it was just recently put up. I think it's it's only recently been uh, made available to a wide audience, uh, Graham Elwood, who was on a few episodes ago, yeah. he has a podcast called uh, Comedians in Combat. And it's basically him and other comics who've been in Iraq and Afghanistan uh-huh. talking about their experiences. And it's very, it's amusing and it's interesting. It's That's really very cool. uh, harrowing. So it's good stuff. I just okay. saw Graham Elwood perform uh, the other night, a few nights, a week ago. <laughs> We're recording this on Monday the 21st cuz I am going to be uh, oh that's right yes so I'm I'm going to be out of town I'm going to be in Chicago so listeners in Chicago keep an eye out <laughs> That's all I have to say Um but uh shouldn't you tell them what screening of uh Forgetting Sarah Marshall you're going to be at at what theater <laughs> I don't I don't know but I I do plan on seeing the movie yes so listeners if you're going to Forgetting Sarah Marshall this weekend you know what I want to see What's that? I rarely get excited about movies that are coming out because I'm like jaded and right, I, right. I don't want to be disappointed. Right. But I could not be more excited for the next Harold and Kumar movie. Now, I never saw the first one and I badly want to. I can't believe you haven't seen it. It's I know. great. It's just one of those movies that I had heard was like way better than it ever had any right to be. And I kept meaning to get it and I never did. 
So, uh, but I'm ex- and that's the thing. I'm excited about the new one, but I'm like, I feel like I should see the first. You one. You should because it's but, very funny. Yeah, it's it's the movie that I mean because it's the same director as Dude Where's My Car. Okay, and Harold and Kumar is the movie that Dude Where's My Car could have been and probably would have been if right. the studio had let. Because I mean, I can't remember Danny Lerner is the director's name. Danny something mm, I think I don't remember. Uh, he clearly had the same sensibility, and you could see hints of it in Dude, Where's My Car, but it feels really stepped on by the studio. Yeah. You know, it's made PG-13, and... Oh, yeah. Uh, and, like, they... they Like, clearly, our two characters are stoners in yeah. Dude, Where's My Car, but there's almost no mention of marijuana at all. It's just, like, hinted at, because yeah. they, they want to... They wanna Oddly enough, though, it doesn't... Rating. I seem to recall the movie does not shy away from the idea of them being really drunk, which strikes me as uh when is that well just in general the idea of like them waking up in a daze like well i think that the implication is that they're yeah they're, they're stoners i don't know i see drunk i guess i could see both okay all right fair enough um all right let's get into it shall we absolutely uh okay. we're going to talk about uh the 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 fine line between homage 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 it's not homage okay that's what pretentious people say Oh. And we are pretentious. Uh, it's in. I don't think so. Name. Let's go with. Uh, Let's go with homage. Homage. Yeah. Because uh, I don't want. I'm not. I'm not a redneck. I'm not going to say the H. But I'm not a Frenchman, <laughs> and I'm not going to say homage. So <laughs> it's, homage. it's the fine line between homage and ripoff. Ripoff. That's right. Uh, and I said. Um, well, I guess I lied because two weeks ago I said I would talk about Bogus Journey next week, and then we had. Uh, we had to record this episode with, with Pilar, you know, <laughs> and she had to record it last weekend, seven days before when you're hearing this. Uh, <laughs> I'm shaking my head, listeners. You can probably hear it because you're well aware of it. See, this, this is my is version. Like, this is like our time travel episode. Like, I'm trying to keep it all straight in my head. Like, like which do I use? Like, the future perfect tense? And then I'll make you feel bad for trying to bring any logic into it. Right. Damn you. Um, but, uh, but anyway, uh, let's, I'm going to start with Bogus Journey. Okay. All right. Because it's better than Excellent Adventure. Okay. I think, uh, any thinking person can agree on that. Okay. Uh, even though I've been told angrily that I was full of shit <laughs> once for saying that. Oh yeah. That made it into my movie. It did. Yeah. You're, uh, oh, what's, uh, Speech and Debate. Speech and Debate is the movie yeah. that, Tyler, that Tyler made, uh, in college, but not for college. You right. don't, they don't need all that. Anyway. Right. <laughs> But yes, it has a scene with a character in a video store proclaiming loudly and pretentiously, this character is based on me, uh, he says that Bogus Journey is better than Excellent Adventure. And the manager of the store says, uh, like, I think Bogus Journey is better than Excellent Adventure. I think you're full of shit. And that really <laughs> happened. And I had to work there like a week. So suddenly I was like, am I on shaky ground here with this manager? Over Bill and Ted preference? Uh, but, a, you know, uh, a large part of Bogus Journey, uh, a, a large part of the main story is an homage to the Seventh Seal. Right. Because they, they in, the, in the Seventh Seal, our, 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 uh, our guy plays chess with death. Yeah. Uh, you know, for his life, I right. guess. Uh, in Bogus Journey, they play, they play Battleship, and they play Twister, <laughs> and, all, and all sorts of other things. And the, and the character is clearly, the character of death is clearly right. modeled on, on the... And it's a, it's this is what this is a great homage because it never, you know, gets in the way. They never have to go out of their way to say, you know, they never have to distract from the film, the, right. the story that they're telling to right. to like point out the similarities. It's just it's just woven in. And some people may not even, I don't know why I said some people. 
I'd say a lot of people probably don't even know what it is. I mean, they yeah. pro- might just think it's an, a funny device for the film, and they yeah. don't know that it's a reference to something. I think else. that's one of the one of the best signs of uh, of an homage, of a yeah. good homage, is uh, can the people who don't will it distract people who don't get the reference? And right. If not, then it's a solid homage. It's used well. You know? I'd say it's the same with you know the. Uh, in uh, the Untouchables with the Odessa Steps sequence, yeah, that's you know. really well, really well done. Are you looking forward to the Untouchables too? Capone Rising? I uh, yeah, <laughs> whatever. Not. I don't know anything about it. Aside I, I'm, I'm it a Diploma exists. apologist, but uh, yeah, uh, no, I'm not. Mm. I'll just I'll just watch Femme Fatale again. Which I yeah, I never saw that, but um, you know, it's it's interesting because when when David first. Uh, approached me about this topic like it sounded great and it, i think I it is to win the street exactly you, excuse me he approached excuse me excuse me tyler smith from battleship retention <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm david Bax from battleship retention we yes met. yes yes gotcha <laughs> right gotcha um but uh right you were like oh it's and i was like david Bax, it's david Bax. that's right exactly that's yeah right. uh i didn't i still i still don't know who he is um but the uh What's odd is I could come up with a lot of movies that I think uh, do a nice uh, homage, you know, to uh, an earlier film or an earlier genre. Um, I couldn't come up with a lot of ripoffs, oddly enough. And the one I could come up with, I like. Which is what? Which Two is Days Dis- in the Valley? I never saw it, but okay. uh, Disturbia. Oh, right. Because yeah, I, guess, I guess we could also talk about, like... The, like the definition of both, because when I think of a rip, like an uh, an homage. Sorry, I almost. I guess I'm. I guess I'm more pretentious than you, David. Yeah. I said. Homage. I say. I instinctively say homage. Um, but the uh, my definition of that is just you know something that is inspired by something else, and it creates its own thing, right? And wants to include its inspiration, you know, but it can stand on its own. Whereas a ripoff is something that, you know, something, whether it be, you know, book, TV show, whatever, it looks at something else, it's inspired by it, but clearly it says like, oh, that works. Yeah. That clearly works. I need to put that in, I need to do what they're doing, not include that in t- into my own original story or whatever. Right. I need to do what they're doing. Now, I like Disturbia, uh-huh. but I mean, it's very much... I mean, they do kind of go off and make their own story out of it, but it's basically the same premise as uh, Rear Window. Yeah. And uh, I like it, but it's, I would say that it's definitely a ripoff. I think the best uh, way to to, to, to illustrate the difference between homage and ripoff uh, is to take two movies, both of which I don't really like very much, but one does it well and one does it it poorly. Okay. Uh, Rushmore. Okay. Uh, Bill Murray, Underneath the Water. That's clearly a reference to The Graduate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there's another movie called Garden State. Yeah. Which is clearly very, very strongly influenced by The Graduate. Yeah. Uh, and it seems to it it just takes that sort of that sort of character that sort of uh, yeah uh, immovable kind of uh, you know uh, the embodiment of ennui type of character yeah. you know and then put him in. Like he, you know, it just same thing as as with uh, as with uh, Ben. Is that the character's name in the graduate? Ben Braddock, yeah, I believe. Uh, same thing with Ben uh, at his parents' house with the sort of party, you right. know. And then Zach Braff has to go. Yeah, uh, his character doesn't have a name. It's Zach Braff. Yeah, he has to go. You know, he's at <laughs> he's at also at a party at his house. You know, and it's it's uh, it's it's clear, there. I mean, Garden State is rip off after rip off. The whole movie. Okay. 
You just said, "Oh, okay." I said, well, no, it's uh, <laughs> well, I, I, uh, I think it works sometimes, often as a function of the actors. Um, but yeah, from a filmmaking standpoint, it's like, oh, okay, you can kind of tick them off a little bit, and it's, and that's one that uh, I would say. Uh, I was listening to an an old episode looking for a specific uh, clip, and I don't remember what it is now, but I had run across when you and I defined pretentious, uh-huh. and. Uh, and one of the things that I had mentioned at the time was like somebody who is using like really, really interesting shots and all that that are like clearly meant to like be symbolic and stuff. Uh, but they may not know what it symbolizes. Yeah. Like to be symbolic of something, it has to it has to start with something and then symbolize that. Yeah. And there's all these shots that are composed very well in Garden State. But what are they? But they're unusual, unusual enough that they must mean something. But they don't. But they don't. Yeah, they're just... They're there because... The worst example is him waking up in that bed at the beginning where he's, like, horribly crampedly tucked in and there's nothing else. The rest of the room is spotless. It's like, how... How did he get into that bed? Exactly. Who tucked him in and then left? Yeah. And and swept up behind themselves, apparently. But uh, I want to... Speaking of Garden State, this is going to turn to the ragging on Garden State. Oh, that's fine. I'll I'll rag on Grindhouse later. Go on. Okay. (laughs) Um... But, uh, you know, when they're at the airport, uh, there's shots with the escalators that are clearly influenced by Kubrick, mm-hmm. but for no good reason. Right. Now, I've heard uh, a fair amount of complaints, because with any movie that's fantastic or anything that's that's fantastic and catches on, there's backlash. So I've heard yeah. people who don't like There Will Be Blood or, yeah. or don't love it talking about the end in the, in the bowling alley in the house, that that just all feels very Kubrickian. Okay, I them. can see that. And it does. It, it, it does, but it's... Right. It, it, he's clearly taking what he learned from Kubrick and using it to great effect. Yeah, it, you know, it, I mean the uh, the you know the themes uh, and there will be blood are are wouldn't be out of place in a Kubrick film, right? You know, it, so so it makes sense that he would use the same the same aesthetic approach, but uh, does not make sense with Zach Braff. Well, I feel like people like you know you and and me and uh, our listeners and stuff are. Pre- for myself, I am, I'd say, frustratingly attuned to, like, references and homages, you know, uh-huh. homages, and I'm like, oh, oh, I know what that is. Um, for example, when I saw Godzilla 2000, and there's a general talking about uh, an acceptable casualty rate and talking about getting their hair must, I'm like, Dr. Strangelove! Yeah. And it's like, it's Godzilla 2000, I shouldn't be aware of anything. <laughs> but um, but anyway, so, uh, which good for them. For in in making a reference to Doctor Strange Love and Godzilla two thousand, yeah. But like in watching the last part of uh, There Will Be Blood, I realized the you know Kubrickian thing later. At the time, I was in you know it exactly. it works in the fun- yeah. as a function of the story. You know, it my first instinct did not instantly go to oh it's this. You know, this reminds me of uh, of this. So I think that's an example of something that clearly is inspired by this, but it stands completely on its own yeah um it, and that's yeah that that's exactly if you're noticing it at the time then it's probably a ripoff you know? uh yeah possibly. i can't even think of any specific examples but uh um brian Trefano's camera work in train spotting okay spawned so many ripoffs if you you know the 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 sort of mid to late 90s were full of you know bizarre camera angles yeah. you know wide lenses and uh and those, uh, those, uh, the, the mise en scene, the production design being sort of like primary colors, maybe that clash and being just very drawing your attention. Yeah. Uh, 
and I always I, I used to think because I, I I used to love Train Spotting. I still do, but I, I I loved it, and I didn't see it for a while, and I was like, is that movie bad? Because all these other movies that are like it are right. bad. So I went back and watched it. No, Train Spotting is fucking fantastic. Right. You know, and speaking of like you know just movies that spawned obvious ripoffs. I mean, like Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. I'd say both of those because they came they came out within a couple years of each other, and it just yeah, like it sparked like the really the the ripoffs of like the crime comedy that's ultra hip and characters wind up talking about stuff that has nothing to do with uh, the horrible thing that they might be doing. Yeah, and, you know, just. And I feel like I feel like Guy Ritchie, for example, has some talent. Um, yeah, and he can create a, some solid laughs and can create some good characters and stuff. But it's you know it's one of those things where it's like, oh wow, I'm not sure if he would have a career if it weren't for Pulp Fiction. Yeah, and that's an extreme statement to say, and that's why I'm not going to say it definitively because yeah. but I do and, enjoy and Guy Ritchie is almost purely a stylist. And, yeah, um, I mean that he does hair, uh, <laughs> and. I was actually having a conversation with a friend the other day. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Like, uh, another movie I love that I often have to defend is Constantine. Okay. Uh, and that's, a, I love it purely for its, for its style. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't have like all the other things about it, you know, the story and, and character development are not given enough attention to distract you from the style. You yeah. know, they, they just, are that that they're just the uh the mule that the style is <laughs> is carried throughout throughout the film on i'd say that's that's appropriate well yeah. done um you've still never watched Constantine, i still haven't you? seen it i'm waiting for you to come over and we'll watch it okay. on, the, on the big tv there but right. uh yeah i did i i own constantine but i haven't uh watched it because it was going to be destroyed when i worked at blockbuster i'm like well i'll take it david says it's pretty good and i also haven't gotten around to watching it uh, this is essentially this is essentially a cameo. I, I would yeah. say pretty much cameo, but one of my favorite Peter Stormare performances ever. Oh man, he, he plays Satan. Okay, and you know, two weeks ago, I'm I think it was two weeks ago, maybe it was three weeks ago. I mentioned that I had seen Witless Protection. Yeah, I didn't go into it, but you need to know, you listeners need to know that Peter Stormare is in this movie. Yeah, doing a British accent. Okay. That's the stupidest idea. It's it's the worst British accent ever. Yeah. But you can't fault him. English is not his first language. That's like asking me to speak Chinese with a German accent. <laughs> that that'd be kind of awesome actually, but um yeah, it's uh but to get I guess to get back to the uh the idea of like, you know, an homage and stuff. Like I think some of the like some of the best movies ever have been like homages to an entire genre. I mean, if you look at like Raiders of the Lost Ark and just Indiana Jones in general. Like, it's interesting. Like, and there's an example of, like, people who have no interest in adventure movies of the 1930s love Raiders of the Lost Ark. As well they should. It's really good. But, like, you know, people who... Now, I love Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, and that's very much... I like it a lot. Yeah. I, I don't know if I love it, but I like it a lot. I would say I love it. And it's it, and that's pretty rare for me, because just visually, it's, you know, this feast, and there's not much there as far as right. story goes. Um, but it is an homage to, like, you know, uh, sci-fi movies of the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. Uh-huh. Um, just, you know, and, and let's say, theoretically, somebody watched that and liked it. Like, I do know some people that probably never watched like you know those old sci-fi movies yeah but they still liked it because there was enough there i'd say the same with the uh, my my uh, brother-in-law is a fairly young guy 
and he is not incredibly acquainted with old-timey film noir, but he really likes Sin City, you know? And Sin City's I've never seen it. Okay. Have you seen the trailer for The Spirit? No, what is that? It's like a te- there's just a teaser out because it's not coming out till 2009. But the spirit is the Will Eisner uh, comic. That's he's sort of a superhero and it was okay. a great great comic. And uh, F- Frank Miller is involved and it looks like Sin City. Mm. And um, I'm I'm disappointed. I thought I'm a huge. I'm not a big enough comic book fan to be really attached to the spirit. But from right. what I know, the spirit is awesome. Okay. Um, yeah, Frank Miller and well, okay, that's I'll. I'll that's a, for another episode. But, um, Are you going to talk about that Frank Miller has way more credibility than he deserves? <laughs> yes, that's what I was going to say. Uh, well, maybe not in those in that phrase, uh, but... Uh, I don't but, know, because, like I said, I'm not really into comics. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off and take this on okay. tangent, because I'm not really super into comics, but I like comics, and I'd already, always heard that Dark Knight Returns was, you know, a landmark. It, yeah. it, it, it belonged alongside Watchmen, and I loved Watchmen. Yeah. And uh, maybe it has to do with me looking at it from... Uh, you know, not looking at it from the standpoint of it being 1985 or six, whenever that came out. Right. Uh, but it, it, it's maybe it's different than what was being produced then, but that, that, that doesn't make it good. Right. I, I, I don't really, I can't really get on board with Frank Miller for the same reasons. I can't get on board with someone I know you like uh, Mickey Spillane. Uh, Oh yeah. I just don't get it for the record. I do not like Mickey Spillane as much as I do, for example, Dashiell Hammond or even Rex Stout. I mean, Rex Stout cranked stuff out, easily as much as Mickey Spillane, but like Mickey Spillane had almost no style to his writing and, and that kind of thing. But oddly enough to bring things back around Mickey Spillane, like I've only read three of his books. Uh, but like if you, I mean the Sin City is clearly, you know, inspired by that. And, and I would say it's not necessarily, I would, I would say it's not a ripoff. I mean, it does remind you of, you know, Mike Hammer and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But the characters in it are strong enough, and in my opinion, or maybe original isn't the right word, but you have enough invested in them as characters as opposed to being like, oh yeah, this guy's just like so-and-so. Um, that I feel it's just a good homage without quite being a ripoff. Right. But, you know, when it comes to stuff like, you know, the like the tone of it and the look of things and the feel of movies like... You know, it can it can be debated. I mean, somebody could look at at uh, Sin City and be like, "Oh, it's just a ripoff of these old, right? For, uh, you know, film noir." And it's like, well, they were all a ripoff of each other, I guess. If you if you want to go that far, all right. Well, uh, I know you want to talk about Grindhouse, so I want I want to mention uh, Quentin Tarantino because you brought up Pulp Fiction, right? You know, as being something that people rip off a lot. Yeah, but Quentin Tarantino in general is a a, a nuanced rip off artist. <laughs> I mean, he and I feel like. I feel like it's wrong to even like the Kill Bill movies, which are not mm-hmm. good. Uh, they're not. It's not. They're not. It's not rip off. We, we're talking about homages being good and rip off being bad, and those are right. good guidelines. But I feel like Kill Bill is more of uninspired homage than okay. pure rip off. Hmm. I'd say that's about right, and I would actually. I would say that's right with uh, with his contract. I say Grindhouse, but I'll. In this conversation, I'll talk about Death Proof because I I do have uh, I, I like Robert Rodriguez half of uh, Grindhouse, but um, but yeah, and and that's the thing is like Kill Bill, Death Proof, like those are not those aren't ripoffs. They're you know they're homages, 
but I don't like – I don't care for them. I do own both Kill Bill movies because I like Kill Bill 2 enough that I watch it mm-hmm. and because I'm crazy – I can't just own Kill Bill Volume 2. I have to get Volume 1, even though I never watch it. And so, um, but yeah, it's like... Kill Bill, I, Volume 1 has the Vivica A. Fox fight. Yeah, which is good. the beginning, which I love. Very solid. And then the rest of it, I, I can't really... And it. and Volume 2 has, like, really solid stuff with Michael Madsen. And, and it has the Daryl Hannah fight, which I like a lot. Which is a solid fight. Yeah. Which is, with And it has a surprising amount of comedy in it. But, yeah. you know, and that's and that's the thing, is like... You know, it, it's easy to say, like, an homage is good, a ripoff is bad. But, you know, I mean, I just talked about how I like Disturbia, which is a very obvious ripoff. And then I don't care for, you know, Kill Bill and, and certainly uh, Death Proof. Because, and I'll talk, about, I'll talk about Death Proof, and perhaps I can work Kill Bill in as well, because I think it might be okay. a similar problem. Um, when I mentioned that I thought uh, this was a long time ago, we got some emails uh, talking about how dumb I was for not liking Death Proof. And I meant to email them back, and I just didn't, because <laughs> I got stuff to do. I don't have anything to do. I don't know why I just said that. That was a total lie. Um, but uh, basically, my... By the way, let me, let me clarify for listeners. If you have a problem with something that Tyler had said, you can get him easier through the MySpace or Facebook accounts. That's true, yes. And uh, something problem with something I said, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll respond to the Hotmail account. Exactly. Now, I do check the Hotmail and all that. And but... I occasionally, very rarely, check the MySpace and Facebook. Exactly. So, But, uh, but yes, he is right. It, you know, it's easier to contact us, you know, in our respective things. But, um, yeah, okay, so... You look at a movie like Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I, even Star Wars, uh, mm-hmm. A New Hope. Sorry, um, yeah. I've been, I spent I watched episodes one and two today, and so when I say Star Wars, I'm like, hang on now, man. And that's if nothing else, that's what the prequels did. They anybody who talks about how awesome Star Wars is, they then have to be like, hang on, right. I'm talking about the originals, and they're like, the originals. You mean one, two, and three? No, the first ones, right. Exactly, one, two, and three. No, the ones that came out in the seventies, right, and eighties, and really only the first two of those. Return of the Jedi has some good stuff. It's got some good stuff. It's got the like yawning, tooth-filled desert vagina at exactly. the beginning. <laughs> it's got the Rancor, which made for like the most awesome toy in the world when I was a kid. Which one is that? Rancor is the big uh, brown monster that tries to eat Luke Skywalker. Okay. My yeah. dad got that for me for Christmas without my mom's knowledge because she doesn't like me to have ugly things. And uh, <laughs> and I was so happy. And my mom just gave him this look. It was right out of a qu- uh, Christmas story. Um, but That's like when my, my dad rented for my uh, like my 10th birthday or something. I was having uh, a little birthday party. My yeah. dad rented Red Dawn for us, <laughs> which is PG-13. Oh, my gosh. My mom was not very pleased about that. No. But we got to watch Red Dawn. And you guys played Wolverines for the rest of the day. <laughs> right. um, but... Uh, so, like, I feel like an homage has to instinctively, it has to love what it is paying homage to. Uh-huh. And I feel like Raiders of the Lost Ark and Star Wars, I think they absolutely do. And I'm sure that Tarantino loves Grindhouse movies. I'm sure he loves those old kung fu movies. But, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark, I, I'll specify just, the Indiana Jones movies are, like, the best example of this. Because they embrace everything about what that genre was you know Mm -hmm. and occasionally they'll put a little twist on it but the twist is it's affectionate it has nothing to do with them trying to transcend it 
You know, I mean, one of the reasons that Raiders is so good is because they don't really try and add a lot of depth to the character of Indiana Jones, you know? Yeah. And I feel like once they started doing that, like with the third one, that's when I start to lose interest a little bit. Yeah. Like, I just like that he's just this rough and tumble guy. And that's all you need to know about him. Um, but, like, my problem with Death Proof, and I would say with, you know, Kill Bill... First off, I felt like, well, why do you have to do these in the first place? You're a talented filmmaker, probably one of the most interesting filmmakers of the last 50 years. Uh And it's like, and you are doing these. Like, you're making me nostalgic for something that I'm too young to remember. (laughs) So thanks for that. But um, so there's that. But then also, like, with with Death Proof. Now, have you seen Death Proof? No, I never, never watched either of those. Well, like, with Death Proof, like, when I say, when I commented before about how it's it's a grindhouse movie that no grindhouse audience would ever see like it feel like it has probably you know it's an hour and a half movie um and i i'd say it has probably about 20 minutes of real solid grindhouse stuff you know uh-huh. just really awesome car chase really grisly deaths um but then the rest of it is just like this talking and it feels like he's trying to do something different with the genre and i'm it's like, okay, you don't necessarily have to stick with it, but like, if you're gonna, like, I don't like that you're doing it in the first place, but if you're gonna do it, do it right. Robert, Red- as silly as Planet Terror is, Robert Rodriguez did it right. He right. committed to it. He said, there's a ridiculous genre. The only, t- like, he did put a twist on it by having a female hero, but he Which also. That really ha- wasn't even completely out of place. Then, exactly. Anyway. And so it's just like. He made a Grindhouse movies that Grindhouse audiences would have loved, uh-huh. and you go in watching that, and you're like, oh, man, yeah, these trashy movies were – it's like, you know what? Maybe there was something just inherently viscerally fun about them. Right. You watch Death Proof, and you're like, I'm listening to people – and as you know, David, I like dialogue. It's like, right. I'm listening to people I don't care about say things I don't like so for about – 30 minutes. I, I think I found the segue in that I should have used earlier. Okay. You're talking about is him sort of trying to, it's almost like there's a, there's a condescension because he's trying to improve upon the thing that he's paying homage to. Uh, yeah. And it's a brief, brief tangent, but this is just in your mind, put this back in the segue. All right. Uh, it's becoming somewhat chic for American microbreweries, particularly in this part of the world to produce their own Mexican lager, you mm. know? And, but they always try to like, you know, snooty it up a bit and make it like a you know a, a, a beer drinker's beer which that's the thing about mexican beer is i, I don't want to offend anybody i love mexican beer i drink a lot of it because that's what it's there for it's good for drinking a lot of but it's shit most of it is just shit even the ones that are good are shit in comparison to the best uh you know european beers uh and 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 that's what i feel like it's the same thing it's like oh we're gonna make a mexican lager but we're gonna we're gonna do it right uh you know it's the same sort of condescension. Yeah, it's it's like I'm gonna make a grindhouse movie, but I'm gonna Tarantinoize it, and it's like, <laughs> um, so you're going to make it not really fit the genre at all. Like it's <laughs> it, it wound up being frustrating because I was so excited to see it, and then it's and that's what I got, and I was just I was really bummed out because I'm not somebody who clamors for violence. Yeah, but if that's what if it's that if that's what the genre requires and if that's right what it and that is. was that was the carrot that got you into the exactly. theater in the first place exactly you know and uh so yeah that just frustrated me and i just so like those are examples of like and i'd say it's it's the same with kill bill the only difference is that i actually found myself kind of caring about uma thurman's character and i yeah. that might be more a function of her her really solid performance um 
but I'd say it's more with Death Proof than with Kill Bill. But like either way, it's just like it's homage that just seems to it's like it's like I'm gonna pay homage to this and then I'm gonna improve on it. It's like hang on now, that's not the attitude to do an homage with. You know, it's like you have to love what you're doing. That's my view. Okay, so uh, I feel like we're sticking right around the same sort of group of filmmakers, but oh well, these guys have made their career on on homages. So I'm yeah. going to talk about Robert Rodriguez some more, and a okay. film, I'm going to talk about a film that I love and I get a lot of shit for. Okay, is The Faculty. Oh, I, okay. Which story alone, it would seem like it's clearly a ripoff. It's it's an Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Right. It's, it's it's the same thing. But there's so much, uh, and this is what I've you know. Robert Rodriguez has sort of moved away from this, uh, which he did. Robert Rodriguez has made two great films that I think are also really personal, mm-hmm. and that's Spy Kids and The Faculty. Okay. Because uh, Spy Kids is obviously about him, you know, a little bit older, where he's got kids, and it's a, it's a personal film about family, yeah. you know? And The Faculty is a more personal film about about growing up in in that part of the, of the, of the world, you know, yeah. that, you know, about... I mean the 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 Robert Patrick coach character is yeah. truly menacing before he becomes a bad guy, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and and it's just just this this macho, uh, anti intellectual, anti wuss, yeah, uh, 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 society, and, yeah. and and that's that's what the faculty is about. And even though the story is pretty much lifted from from Body Snatchers, it's it's injected with so much with with so much personality that that it it, it moves into homage for me. You know, it's interesting that you that you mention that because what it does is it takes uh, a film that's very familiar and had been remade by that time, like, what, three times? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, it, and it puts it in a high school setting, and it makes me wonder, like, what would you consider Brick to be? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting. Uh, I mean, Br- Brick is almost like sort of an experiment. <laughs> okay, I'd say that's about right. Uh, and I I love Brick. I like Brick. Yes. Really? Um, th- <laughs> only only in our circle can someone saying I like something be like, oh really? <laughs> yeah. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> Here it's either total contempt or absolute love. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, but and that's the thing is like I watch Brick and like there are so many there are like lines that are very much it's like oh that's like a, a Dashiell Hammett line so mm-hmm. like every step of the way I was very much aware of what they were doing and yet I still felt like they had tremendous love that the filmmaker had tremendous love for this genre and was really just trying to do this fun experiment so I'm not sure I'm not sure what camp that would fall into but I guess you could just say there's a third camp and it's experiment yeah <laughs> um, but uh, you know and it's interesting that you that you brought this up like you talked about we're discussing like a certain group of filmmakers but i feel like modern day coen brothers too now that oh, i yeah. now that i mention it and steven soderbergh now that i'm throwing these out there i'm thinking of more of them but like the, like this generation of filmmakers like that started probably in the 80s you know but really came to prominence in the 90s uh-huh. like they this is a generation of filmmakers, even more so than like the the guys you know f- who came from the seventies. Like this is a group of filmmakers who grew up on just loving and living and breathing film. Yeah, and they just feel like they have to make you know ver- like they just need to let everyone know like yes, I love this so much, I'm gonna do my own version of it, and maybe yeah. I can help people love this. Whereas like I feel like the filmmakers from the 70s like Scorsese and Spielberg and eh, what the hell even Lucas um, 
and Coppola, like Coppola clearly loves film and loves gangster movies and but he loves it so much that he was inspired by it and it's like I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it my own twist on it yeah. that somehow manages to make you love gangster movies even more as opposed to put a twist on it that makes you feel superior to gangster movies which of course was the godfather and yeah so it's like I feel like with, with them it's 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 less homage and it's more just a blanket postmodernism. Yeah, they're yeah. movies that exist in a world where people are aware of movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Soder. Okay, in Ocean's Twelve. Now, I am not a fan of Ocean's Twelve. Uh, have you seen it? No. Okay. Uh, literally, and you know, directed by Soderbergh. I don't remember who wrote it, but literally, the movie acknowledges that Julia Roberts, the actress, is so famous. That even the characters she plays has heard of have heard of her, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's that comes about. I mean they they are very postmodern and and I'm interested. I'm always interested to see like you know the, like what young person like you want to show them like Hudsucker Proxy or um, or uh, Intolerable Cruelty, which is a movie I know you don't care for. I don't care for it at all. But like uh, you know. It, like you want to show a young person that and be like, what do you think? Cause I mean, those are movies that borrow so much yeah. from, you know, movies from like 40, 50 years ago. That it's just like, I wonder if anybody could enjoy this yeah. at all. I mean, the thing about intolerable cruelty, I mean, it's just about those like rock Hudson, Doris day back and forth really fast kind of things. And it's like, if you don't have that knowledge, I mean, would you say that intolerable cruelty is a ripoff? Cause I feel like if you I, I, I think yeah, it's just I guess it's rip off, but it's it's more that sort of postmodernism, just in a bad way. Yeah. Now, and now okay, so we've talked about uh, I mentioned um, Kill Bill as being homage but bad. Yeah. Now I want to talk about rip off but good. Okay. Because you mentioned Rock Hudson and Doris Day, and yeah. I want to talk about Down with Love, which is oh, a yeah. fucking awesome movie. <laughs> and it, I, I feel so cheated by. I feel like I, I know how the rest of America feels because I feel cheated by the world of critics. That, that movie came out and got almost almost round, just roundly dismissed yeah. by by almost almost every critic. Uh, a few notable Jonathan Rosenbaum liked it, I think. Yeah, uh, I think Eber gave it three. Okay, uh, and then so I worked at a video store and eventually I decided to just you know give it a shot and it's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's so much fun and it's, it's yeah it's crazy. But like you know and oh shoot, who did Far from Heaven? Todd Haynes. Yeah. Okay. There's a movie that's that's interesting because, you know, you could make the argument that it that it's the same mentality as like as I say uh, Tarantino had with Death Proof, where yeah. it makes this movie that's supposed to be like you know the old like Douglas Sirk movies, just right. those, and it it makes it in the same style and everything, really melodramatic, really great score, mm-hmm. great old timey score by who's that Bernstein? Yeah, and um, yeah, right. I think so, uh, but like. It just feels completely like those old movies, but I remember somebody saying, like, because it features, like, you know, homosexuality, I mean, it comes out and says it, it features, right. like, a, ra- mixed a racial, race. mixed race things, yeah. like, it's almost like Todd Haynes was trying to make the movie that Douglas Sirk would have made if he was allowed to you know, in the time that he made films. Right, and that's why, that's what's good about it. That's what's different. There's no yeah. condescension in that. He's right. not saying, I'm going to one-up Douglas Sirk. Okay. He's he's honoring his memory by making uh, a contemporary throwback. You know, that's yeah. kind of paradoxical, but... 
Yeah, and I and so that's yeah, that's kind of what I think is that's and that's why I think it separate you know that's what separates it from you know some of the stuff that we're talking about is it's it's like you know what I'm almost positive that this is what this guy would have done if he could have and so I can so I'm gonna and yeah. but I'm going to like it's a you know he makes a choice to just do stuff like this guy did you know and some would say that that's a rip off of his style but I think it's great I love Far From Heaven. Um, okay, so well, we've been going for a while. I think now, we should Dave. wrap up. Absolutely, I think I hear the music coming in. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to have to put the music in right now. Thank you. Um, but uh, yeah, so any, I imagine we're going to have uh, plenty of opinions on this one. I, we, I know we always say that, and we don't get any, but uh, we don't. We get some. We get some. Um, but like, uh, yeah. So battleship pretension at hotmail dot com, of course, uh, or you can go to our MySpace page or Facebook group and uh, discuss it there. So uh, thanks for listening. Thank you. And we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.